I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, where we help people use adversity to become their best self. And I'm really, really super excited because today I have one of my really good friends on, a fellow recovery warrior, Courtney Anderson, on the show. Courtney is a Southern girl at heart but raised in pure Michigan. She's a sober and health coach, podcast host, founder of Sober Vibes and National Sober Day. Sober Vibes is an online community for women in recovery and sober curious women of all ages. She's a wife to her husband, Matt, and a cat mom to Fiona. Both Matt and Fiona saved her life by encouraging her to get sober. Her favorite day of the year is August 18, 2012, because that is the day she finally stopped the madness of addiction and started to do some real living. Courtney, thank you so much for being on here, and I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, like, I guess first, like, to give the listeners a little, I like to give them a little backstory, if there is one, on how we met um, we kind of have like a unique story of how we got together. So maybe like, I know we got connected through Daniela, um, and maybe like talk about like how we first met and then kind of like where we've built our relationship from there. Yeah, we met through Daniela Parks, who is amazing. Uh, I had had her on, uh, my first podcast, Real Line Women, and we, we, Daniela and I connected and then Daniela actually, referred you over to us at Real Line Women, and then we had you on the podcast because she said you were a wonderful human being with an incredible story, which both is true. So that's how we connected. Yeah, and it's funny because before I did this show, I kid you not, um, I like almost didn't do it because I was like, Real Line Women. I was like, I'm not a woman. Like, why am I doing yeah. this, right? Um, right? But yeah, I mean, I've been really, really blessed. Um, your fellow Libra person in recovery to like be able to connect um and you're also like kind of weird like me so it's cool to kind of to just hang out with people and surround yourself with people that share the same kind of vibes yeah totally i mean after that that interview when you when we interviewed you i was like god you have a good like you just seem like a good dude and after that interview we just we developed friendship so i'm happy and yeah fellow libra i mean all libras stick together we like the balance you know doug yeah we like we like the balance we like overthinking things we like you know just making sure that we cross all our t's and dot our i's before kind of doing things and so it's cool to like have people that kind of understand you like that so um so i want to kind of get into this interview a little bit because i'm super i'm fascinated by your story and and like so i know that your husband matt and your cat fiona both had like a impactful um you know part in your decision to get sober and so like take like paint a picture of where you were at in your life like back in august 18th of 2012 like what was going through your mind um how how were you feeling what kind of fears did you have like what what was going through your your head at that point um so i was 29 years old i had the night before the last night that i drank alcohol it was actually my last 
shift bartending, and I had been in that industry for years. I was at that point leaving to go full-time in the medical field. And so went balls out that night and, you know, ended up at the same place that I always ended up, and that is where my drinking led me, into a blackout, into picking fights. Uh, I believe I told my then boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, I think I was standing over the bed telling him I fucking hated him and, you know, all of that stuff, which usually I did when I got all, when I got to the point of that. So the next morning I wake up and um, I was told that I had lost my cat for the second time. So I left the back door, the sliding glass door open to our backyard and because I was going out to have a cigarette and a blackout, she escaped for the second time. Mind you, we rescued this cat off of the mean streets. Um, when she was six months old, she was about two pounds. And so we rescued this cat. So we had a deep love for this, this little animal. And at that point that day, Matt, you know, came downstairs. He's very upset, Avi. And he told me... <laughs> um, you know, it's not, I don't mean to laugh about it, but like looking back at it now, like that's how I have, I've used my humor to, to cope and just to get me through the days, but it's, it's good to be able to laugh at yourself. So he said to me, he was like, look, at that point we were together for a year and a half living together. At this point, he was like, you can continue drinking. So really at that point, that morning, I'm starting to feel, well, I'm still drunk, extremely drunk from the night before because that's how much I always drink. And I, though, and then starting to feel bad as the day progresses, I get more and more worried about my little child out in the cold because she's an indoor cat. And then the shame from my drinking and then that shame spiral and the, the, then at this point I'm like getting hung over and the, the drunken anxiety kicks in. And at that point, you know, it took me three days to find Fiona. And with those three days, I really, I, I didn't do much other than be hung over and go through semi withdrawals for three days and it prayed to the universe that I would find this cat. And I made a decision that if I found Fiona, I would give up alcohol for good. So three days later, I find her outside. This cat um, comes running up to me from being underneath the a neighbor's deck. And she's just got leaves in her hair and little cobwebs all over her fur. And this cat like runs up to me. I drop to my knees. It's a sunny day. It, it was all, I can remember it to this day. And it was like everything got very silent and got very still with me embracing this cat and crying. And then she starts peeing on me. And I brought the cat in and, um, you know, Matt was relieved because he was extremely worried for her. And I just told him, I was like, it's just, it's time to start living a life without alcohol. So that was it. You're getting peed on is the worst, isn't it? It is. She had every right to pee on her (laughs) drunk mother. I deserve that. So I I embraced her pee. But yes, it's not fun to get peed on, but it was well-deserved. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like Shadow would have peed on me a lot too back in the day. Um, yeah, it's cra- and it's kind of crazy and interesting how you say that like something such as a cat or an animal can really inspire you to want to make that shift, want to make that change. And I think for people who are listening, you know, some are probably in that in that space of like, you know, you don't understand. Like, 
I have this, I have that, I'm not going to make it, like there's no point, I might as well keep drinking, I might as well keep doing drugs. Like, did you feel at that point, like even though you had made that decision, did you feel like hopeless? Did you feel that you just weren't going to gonna make it and do, you know, some c- cool things in life? Were you at that point? I wasn't at, well, I mean, I have been living in a hopeless cycle for many, many years. And so at that point, at that point, I was extremely exhausted and tired of being on the same ride, and I was very exhausted with myself. You get to a point after t- I, I was living in that lifestyle for 10 years, um, you know, and had years, too, where I added in, you know, I had a little love affair with cocaine and, and drugs, too. So I was extremely exhausted, and I wanted something different. So I knew, I knew for, I knew at the age of 25, that I had an issue with alcohol and I, I, I knew one day I was going to be sober because I knew I couldn't continue that, that, um, cycle. So I, I was just at the point that day I was just over it. And then, you know, like how many times can one you lose their, their animal because now, and then, you know, I have this man that I love very, very much and, and saw a future with him and then keep disappointing him. So it was just one of the, and I mean, the the number one thing I was, I was disappointing myself the most. And then just my actions, it was a trick, my actions, what I did, it was a trickle down effect of what happened to other people. Because I chose to drink every time, it affected somebody else in some type of way. Yeah. Whether if I didn't even like, you know what I mean? Well, and and that's even to my drinking, even if I didn't have an episode that night, it was still hurting somebody else because they did not want to see me doing that to myself. They knew I deserved better and they knew that there was a life for me, you know, beyond what I was giving myself. Yeah. And I think you, you make a really good point in that like people, they don't see that when they are struggling, I mean, they, they do, right. But people, I think if you talk about it from the outside perspective, that when you are struggling, when you are um, engaging in these types of behaviors, like how it's affecting the people around you, right? And that I think, yeah. you know, and like people around us, we sometimes, the people that we love the most, the people that are closest to us, we tend to push away and, and take stuff out on because it's like a defense mechanism and it feels safe. And I just think if there's people on here, maybe you're a mom or a dad who's got a kid or a spouse or whatever who's engaging in, in addiction and um, this type of behavior to know that just not to take things personally because, you know, deep down, you know, this person's really struggling, you know, and I think people need to yeah, understand that. Right. And I was the person too for many, many years. Um, I got into the, my defense mechanism where I always would say, I'm not hurting anybody. Nobody died. That's what I, I would say after like a night of my drinking and, or if anyone ever tried to address me and then it took me, it probably took me my second year of sobriety to really see, because you do have, you are in a fog of, you are in a fog of denial and your clarity is like whacked. Okay. And then when you start get you get sober and you start living the sober life, and your clarity comes, and your clarity is not just going to come over overnight, okay? So my second year, it was my second year of sobriety, and I had this um, incident at Christmas that year. But that's really when I woke up because I saw somebody else being hungover and canceling out on Christmas, where I was like, oh, my God. 
in how I was feeling where I was disappointed and just like, oh man, they're missing out. But I was disappointed in them. And I was like, this is how it was for other people for me. Yeah. So it, it takes you a while to see, truly see what your actions caused other people. Yeah. And it's funny you say, you know, you, you're like, oh, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not killing anybody or whatever. Like, but you know, and then it took your cat to leave. Right. And then, and then that was like, you were like, holy moly, like, what am I doing? And, you know, I think it's really important. I think at least from my experience to kind of remember that, you know, once you see that other people have the same problem as you and you, you, you release that shame of it's, you're not alone. I think it helps tremendously. And that's why I kind of want to transition into, to, to next, like how you've kind of turned, you know, your pain, right? The things you went through that you thought were never going to get better. You were never going to get out of like a lot of the, a lot of times we do, like we're in that dark place and you're like, you know what? I'm never going to freaking make it out of here because life sucks. And you've created this community in Sober Vibes and what you're doing now to help women in recovery, it kind of like not, you know, either not do the same things you felt a trap to or help them grow because you know like myself you're obsessed with personal development like where did the inspiration for sober vibes come from like how did you start it like what really made you where'd you come up with a name all that stuff like how did that all kind of begin um sober vibes really started so i i'm a i'm a person who believes in there's no one way to recover but i also too i have engaged in 12-step programs i've engaged with therapy, with own personal coaching. Um, so I, I've sought out different, all different avenues of um, recovery tools. And it came to a point where um, I started using social media as a tool. So social media is a lot different than what it was back when, um, I don't want to say back in the day, but it is true. So I got sober in 2012. And at the time there was, I felt I was very honest and open with my journey and sharing it on social media. And I just saw a need for it. And there, the sober vibes came into play because I was in a couple Facebook recovery groups and I had seen a lot of attack. From other people, um, you know, if people weren't doing a, a 12-step program, um, I also saw kind of a little bit of some um, males taking advantage of some females kind of preying on them. Um, I'm not saying all men are like this, but this is just what I observed in some of these groups. 13th step, right? Was to- yeah, the 13th step. So... Then I saw, and then this happened to me, where I, because I also um, have been going through an infertility journey for the past five, six years. So then I posted a frustration in this woman's group of my frustrations with my infertility journey, and I used the word fuck. And Doug, you know that I like to swear. So I used the word fuck in describing this this thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Courtney Anderson, you swear? Hold on, wait, really? (laughs) Would you, would, you, would you fucking so say? <laughs> right. So I dropped the F bomb, guys, in this post describing my own fertility and fertility journey. And this lady came over, you know, and there's trolls out there. So this troll came out of left field fucking and trolls. told me that, that I wouldn't make a good mom because I swore. And then I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? 
So then this is where Sober by, and I was like, fuck this. I'm out, dude. So this is where I created my own, let's do this, non-judgmental, women only. I wanted to create a safe environment, and that's where my Facebook group comes in. And I wanted to create a, a safe environment for women to express themselves with no judgment, no attack. You know, if you're not into going to a self 12-step program, nobody's going to shame you for it. You do you, you know, and what works best for you might not work what is going to work best for another person. So I created the Silver Vibes community and to share more inspiring tales of women's story of sobriety and recovery and even people who are suffering in active addiction drugs because you know that not everybody gets sober and makes it out alive. And that's what it's like. People in active addiction still need support and love and not judgment and shame. So that's where Silver Vibes came from. And I want to say about 2013, I I did that. And I'm just now transitioning it more for um, Silver Vibes to be more of guides and tools that you can use in your sobriety and, you know, just a good kick-ass community. Yeah, and like just to kind of like follow up on what you were saying, like, gosh, people, it's like that there's so many people that think they're better than everybody. And they think like, Oh, you cuss, you're a bad person. Or, Oh, like you don't do this. You're a bad person. And it's like, these people are the ones that like, kind of, I think at times have insecurities within themselves that they're then just criticizing you. And I made a post, um, I think it was last week. I just said, you know, you can still cuss and love Jesus. And people like, I mean, I had a lot of people that were like, thanks for saying this, but I had a lot of people reaching out and being like, who are you to say that? Like, who is this? Like, da, 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 da. And people like, it's like, I'm not, it's like, I'm not saying be belligerent and just start like just yelling and screaming at the grocery store. Like F this, F that. If you don't get your way, I'm just saying, I think it feels a lot better if I say, Courtney, I think you're a fucking badass versus me being like, Hey Courtney, like, I think you're kind of dumb. Like one's a bad word. One's not, but which one feels better? So I think it's all intention in your heart. And and I also think the other big point you brought up, which a lot of people in recovery I think are missing, is this whole thing on personal development. You can take the drugs out. You can take the alcohol out. But life's still going to fucking hit you, right? I mean, you just talked about your infertility and all the adversity that's put you through, right? And you're managing that in a totally different way than you would have during your drinking days. So, like... Talk a bit more now, like in in detail, like how do you really like when shit gets hard for you, like when you're like, you know, whether it's news about infertility or whether it's, um, you know, something at work or, or whatever you're going through, like how do you kind of maneuver around that today? Yeah. Let me say real, something real quick about the personal development that in Silver Vibes 2, I do a book club. And I don't focus on, except for 2019, I wanted to support fellow women in recovery who became authors. So this past year, I chose um, I, I chose books for them. But the Sober Vibes Book Club, uh, uh, for every one um, memoir of a sober story, I've then put in like four personal developments because I think personal development is, is, is it's huge for your growth. And you're not just absorbing all of the, it's not just like sober recovery stuff all the time. And even two, part of it years ago, I created a um, sober vibe social club where I would get a meetups in Detroit with women, which I'm bringing back for 2020 because it is so crucial for you to get out into a world and live and be able to attend events that you want to and have a safe network of people because you, you still have to 
get out. This world is embedded and infested with alcohol that it's never going anywhere. It is never going anywhere. And I have just heard from so many women. And when I was going through AA at the time, you know, I kept hearing women say, I want to find friends who will do this with me, but they didn't have anybody who wanted to go and do it with them. So I needed a touch base on that. But personal development is huge for anybody's, um, for anybody, whether you're sober or not, personal development is huge. So to answer your question, you asked what again, Doug? I'm sorry. No, I was like, you know, I know you've you're, you've battled adversity since being sober yeah. with the infertility and everything you're going through and battling that, and whether it's any other like life unexpectedcies that get thrown your way, like like how do you manage that now versus like back in the day when you were drinking? Oh, it's complete night and day difference. There has been so uh, I've been sober for seven years and a couple months, and it really has been a process of growth with how I react to things and how I handle things. Now I have to explain the tools that I use and meditation. I've been meditating for about four years um, until this last year. I really, I never skipped a day. So I'm almost at one full year of meditating every single day. Previous to this year, I would do about five days a week. Um, so meditation has been the number one tool of me of just coping really with stress, along with working out, um, eating properly. You know, I'm not perfect on eating. Nobody is. But nutrition definitely helps your mind and, and feeling good. So how I handle things different, it's just I know that alcohol will never ever solve any problem for me, but just add on more problems. So I've had to go through tough times and I'm very proud of the fact that I've never chosen um, to go back to alcohol to cope with the infertility. I mean, you just have to truck through, unfortunately, and you have to find what works for you. And again, meditating and, and working out, taking that aggression out in my workouts, um, being outside in nature, I mean, that's really helped me. Yeah, and I think you got to find and, what works for you, you know? I think it's important to, to just, because every, right. everybody's unique. Yeah, therapy's helped. I'm a, I'm a big, huge believer that therapy is huge, especially, too, if you're recovering from something, and you're, if, you're re, if you have been years and years and years in your addiction, and that is the one thing I'm going to say is that it is crucial either – for you to find a 12-step program, find a sober coach, find a therapist to work with somebody outside of yourself. Because if you're not working with somebody outside of yourself, you're just going to keep doing the same old patterns that you've been doing, whether you're, you've been drinking or you're not. You're, you can't, it's very hard to work on those problems solo dolo, you know, Doug? Yeah, I mean, accountability is everything, whether you're, I mean, in life, whether you're recovering from an addiction or not. So, like, having somebody to hold your feet to the fire and be like, you know, hey, like, you got to change this. It's not working. It's obvious based on how your your life is unfolding. I mean, I know for me, like, having somebody, like, kind of gut check me and being like, dude, like, what the fuck you doing? Like, why'd you do that? Like, have you thought about, like, what you, how you've been handling things? Like, it really helps to see, like, that I'm, I'm the problem, but also the solution, right? And... Yeah, I think what you said, though, I heard you say is consistency is everything. You said that nutrition is not always going to be the the best. It's it's true. 
and you know, same with like working out and meditate, like all that stuff, but it's consistency over time. And I think people, they jump from like one thing to the next. They jump from meditation. They jump to working out. They jump to therapy. And it's like, they just, they don't even like get better because they don't see things through and they think that things are going to happen overnight. And it takes time for things to kind of unfold. Like, and I think like people, I think people have it twisted that they just think like from the outside that addiction is just caused by you. Oh, I, Courtney, like somebody from the outside who doesn't understand addiction would be like, well, you just, why didn't you just stop drinking? Like, why? Like, why? It's that simple. Like, you just, you just drank to drink. Like, don't you believe that there's something underlying that comes with a reason for people to drink other than just the fact that they're drinking? 100%. I mean, and a lot, you know, and, and my drinking all started with my, my addiction was introduced when I was born, you know, what you're born into, how it was shown to you, underlying our unhealed childhood trauma. Like, so yes, you know, I just, I mean, I started drinking and it was very innocent and then it turned into something dark. So it's just what happens. And a lot of people, there's a lot of people who start drinking at 40 and then at 60, like, how did I have this problem? I hear all, and you do too, all stories of how people started and at what age. It's crazy. You don't really hear too many people be like, oh, I just love the taste of like Ricola vodka, right? Like, I love the taste of, of like, yeah, <laughs> like or of like, you know, like rail whiskey, right? A lot of times yeah. it's like, why did you start smear drinking? Yeah, exactly. Like smearing off. Like, ew. Like, it's a lot of times you're like, well, I started drinking because of X, Y, and Z, right? And I think the more we can kind of – I'm a big advocate of dealing with the underlying B- BS too. Like just because like you rip the masks off of addiction, it's like, all right, well, let's dig deep in, in there and see where all that came from. Because I know for me, like I got, so, I got clean. I got into recovery, all that stuff. And then what happened? I had to deal with some shit. I had to deal with some family stuff. I had to deal with um, some abuse, all that stuff as a kid that I never dealt with. And I went, I wondered why I wasn't um, feeling good about myself still because I, I, I was like, oh, I'm not doing drugs. I should feel good. And it was because I didn't go back in time. And that was one thing that therapy helped me with was seeing like the patterns and seeing where things you know originate from and doing a lot of deep work to like to change that and then in turn that has now helped me battle adversity in a totally different way because I've created new patterns like that was the thing that like people ask me and I'm sure they ask you and whoever else they're like well how'd you change your patterns freaking practice it's not easy you know yeah and it's not even to how I react to people is a lot different like I don't react anymore because if you react in your emotions your state of anger or you know like I, I can't even tell you how many times that I've received some type of shitty email or text and I'm like, Ooh, and I, and I like go to type it out and then I just delete the whole thing. Cause I'm like, Nope, I'm not reacting to this right now because I am not in the current state to think you have to step back too. And you have to look at a bigger picture. And a lot of people do not look at the bigger picture. They just want to like go tit for tat or at it and go back and forth and it's really it's like that's not a healthy way of communication so it is this isn't going to just happen overnight it it takes time and the consistency of it and healing but you definitely 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 should work with somebody outside of yourself in this process and yeah like nobody i never i never started drinking because i was like oh my god raspberry smirnoff tastes delicious 
And this is the thing, too, and Doug knows this about me. I also bartend on the side. So, like, when people tell me how they love the taste of bourbon, I semi-roll my eyes and I have to look the other way. I'm like, uh-huh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, right. You got, yeah, you're like, you got problems you're not even willing to talk about. I know it. Yeah, like, nobody, you know, and then, like, this whole craft beer thing. And that's fine if you do. I'm not judging. But, like, for the most part, when I hear that and then, like, people choose the wild bourbon, I'm like, you don't like the, you don't like the taste of bourbon. And, like, we don't need to say that. But here you go. <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's, 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 something, it's different. Everybody's different. Yeah, and I think, you know, you hit, a, you hit something that was really important is the ability to not react so quickly because I think a lot of times, you know, people, whether, I mean, you see it, obviously, it's very common with people who are struggling with addiction um, and people and like who also have um, any kind of like backstory with trauma. Like, it's like they're very reactive because that's what they're used to. They're used to the impulsivity of things. They're used to like feeling good right away. And sometimes you get like hooked on like on the fight and like, you know, the battle, right? And I know for a while I did. I mean, I, I've, I guess I've kind of gotten a lot better at it over the last probably six years. But when I first got into recovery, it was like I was very reactive because I just yeah. had never really changed those patterns. But I, what I started to notice was, okay, like the way I react isn't making the situation any better. Like me trying to get my point across and sent and, and coming at somebody in a way of anger or angst or argumentative or whatever is only going to make the situation worse. So if I'm really thinking big picture, what's going to make the situation better? Step back. Um, let my conscious mind think the conscious part, the logical part where the subconscious is more like your emotions, like things started to really change, but it wasn't until I started practicing it. And I remember, um, I remember I was actually, I was on the phone with Carly and I don't know if you know this story, but I was, um, I just was out in Cincinnati visiting my uncle. This is back in May. And I was, I had to fly out like a few days later to go, um, to go shoot, um, impact theory which was um that's one of the shows i was on and my uncle and i my uncle got me to the airport like an hour and a half early cincinnati is a super small airport if you've ever been to the airport and all of a sudden like i'm on the phone with carly and i'm like i'm looking at like it says my flight was at 10 40 um or fl- my flight was at you know 10 40 but i thought it said boarding at 10 my mind went boarding at 10 40 so i'm on the phone with carly and we i get there and um all of a sudden um, I'm at the gate and I'm like, there's nobody there. And she's, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like talking to the person at the gate and I'm like, Hey, um, is, is everything okay? Like, and she's like, yeah, you just missed your flight. And I remember I was on the phone with Carly. I was like, Oh my gosh, I think I just missed my flight. And I remember just being super calm. And she was, you know, she was just like, how are you so calm right now? Like you just missed your flight. Which I understand because most people, they would have, I mean, they would have gotten really like, they would panic, which I get cause I've been there. But what's happened is over time with practice and years, like years, I've just learned that me getting upset and like panicking, which I've done a lot of, isn't going to make the situation mm-hmm. any better. So in that moment, it was like practice, right? Like when you, it's easy to practice this kind of stuff when things are good, when things are like, oh, I can be calm right now. But when it's when stuff like that happens where you're like, it's like haywire, where you have to really change the pattern and and that's kind of helped you know and i'm sure just like you it's like it takes time and i'm sure you've had situations like that like you're describing with the texts and the emails you get where you've really had to practice like being like all right i gotta remain calm during the situation if i like start getting angry and responding with my emotions it's only going to make the situation worse 
Yeah, and that practice really has come in in the past two to three years, I would say, and it, it does. It just makes it worse. It keeps going. Sometimes you're feeding into other people's toxicity where they thrive off of that. And, you know, just because I'm sober, this does not mean my life is perfect. And in the past seven years, I have really learned that there's a lot of toxicity around me within family dynamics, um, some old friendships that I've hung on to, some new friendships I've attracted into my life where it's like, okay, you know, it's just all different. And anybody's going to go through this, but it really is how you react. You had that quote out where it was what, how people react to stress. What was that quote, Doug? Oh, yeah. You or really, how you, people react. You really find out a lot about people by the way they react to stress. Because, like, I was talking to one of my buddies who was in the military for a long time, and he was just talking about he, – he likes to always, like, scare me with, like, stories of what could happen. He's like, you, you know, imagine if, like, for some reason we got invaded and there was, like, there was like a scarcity of food. He was like, you would find out real quick who people are, whether the, who would be the people that would, like, give their food to the people in need – who would kill for food, like kill somebody else for food, who would steal, who would manipulate. And you find that out because when people get stressed, like you really find out who they really are. You really find out how strong they are, how tough they are, what they'll do to get their way. And it's like, it's a hard truth, but you know, you, you learn a lot when, when you get stressed out. Yeah, you do. So it's very important of just, you know, it's just, the reactiveness in me because it comes back to my addicted brain and the addiction being in me that's never really going to go away. And, you know, I have emotional eating problems. Like that's something that I have to continue to work on. But it's that instant gratification and that impulse where you really have to, you have to work on that and change the behavior. And that's something that I'm very proud of. Of my sister even said to me this past year where she has told me she was just like she's like what the fuck have you been doing and I was like what do you mean she goes you don't react like you used to and that to me has been one of my favorite compliments of all time and I simply have told her I was like I owe this a lot to my practice of meditation every day yeah and I think every day yeah and I think when it comes to and the reason I, I think this is important to talk about when it comes to adversity like you have a huge advantage when you're battling stress, when you're battling tough times, if you can do that. Because I think a lot of times we make the situation a lot worse based on how we react to it. We maybe, um, you know, we stress ourselves out and then we respond in an impulsive way to a situation that just makes it worse. Then you create this like spiral down effect, which a lot of people do with drugs, right? You get stressed out, you have a tough day at work, you go slam a bottle of wine and then you wake up and you're like, holy shit, what did I just do? Like now I'm hungover. I'm like shaking, like I shouldn't have done that. I might have cussed out my kids or my wife or husband, whatever. And and I just think it's really insp- inspirational with, with you on how much work you've done on yourself and how much you're continuing to do the work on yourself because I believe that a lot of people, they get into recovery, they, they, they you know beat addiction or whatever they call it, and they just stop. Right, they don't. They stop investing in themselves. They're like, "Hey, I'm just not using drugs." But you continue to invest. You continue to stay passionate about what you're doing, and you have a mission, right? And I'm like, the one thing I'm really like, like super like inspired by is the your you you founded National Sober Day, and I think coming from somebody like yourself who said like, you know, alcohol was ruining your life. It almost you know ruined your relationship with your now husband. You you almost lost your cat Fiona. Um, that you've taken that and then not only created a community of awesome people, you've 
now like founded a day to to help other people kind of know the importance of sobriety and how you can have fun while being sober so like what like what's your kind of mission behind national sober day you know do you have a vision for where you want it to go like what was the and what was that feeling like when you signed that document to make it official um i start really proud of that you know i think with national sober day especially how these holidays have panned out you know there's so many like national tequila day there's got to be a balance in life and that's going back to our libra self doug but there's got to be some type of balance and the national behind the national sober day really was to put out more and more and more awareness to sobriety and addiction and having more of a conversation and knowing that it is okay, you know, you're not damaged because of this and your life just doesn't stop because you get sober and there's just so many stigmas around addiction and sobriety. So it's really, it was a celebration. It's for a celebration. Like let's party with it. You know, if you have friends and family, family and friends, can support a loved one that day and stand up with them and choose not to drink because everybody who not everybody who drinks has a drinking problem and that that's a huge one too for people to understand so it's just like but even you just stepping up and you know taking your sister out that day of like let's go celebrate national sober day what do you want to do like i'm not going to choose i'm not going to drink today whatever it is it's really for celebration and support and to just um, have a day where people can celebrate their triumphs in this. Because for a lot of people, and myself included, addiction was going to kill me. Anytime that I chose to drink, I mean, I've woken up in jail, I've woken up in, woken up in hospitals, you know, in just beds with men I had no idea what their first name was. It was a slow suicide. And or I could, I mean, I can't even tell you, Doug, how many times I've fallen and hit my head. I mean, you fall and you hit your head the wrong way. It kills people. So for me, sobriety is a matter of life and death. And people have, people fight that every day. Addiction is killing people every day. So it's just, it's heightened awareness of something that, you know, that people can get help for and, and don't have to feel shameful about that they have addiction issues. Yeah, and that's so cool that you've done that and what you've created. And I think it's super inspiring. And that how you've really taken a dark part in your life, and you're now you're bringing a light not only to yourself, but to help other people. And kind of like, so you got National Sober Day, you got Sober Vibes. Like, like kind of what are you working on now um, to kind of keep yourself moving forward? I know you're. You're looking to grow this community of women. You're starting other podcasts. Like, what are you doing, um, like, in 2020 to kind of keep on going? Uh, 2020, I want to put my book out into the world. I'm going to expand on Sober Vibes. Um, definitely, you know, have my Sober and Social Club going back or uh, getting back out there for Detroit in 2020. Um you know, just keep putting some good out into the world, Doug. And really, I would my my vision is definitely my book in 2020 and start doing. I would like to do speaking engagements, um, and talking about sobriety and addiction. So that's my plan. That's what I got, Doug. <laughs> 
That's awesome. I mean, you're, you're, you're super, not only like inspiring, but you're cool and you're humble and you're level headed, which, um, I know is kind of super important to, uh, position to be in when you're struggling in recovery or with, you know, something you're battling through, because the more like even keel you can, you can stay during the, the hard times and the good times. I think the better off, um, you know, the better off you'll be long-term. And the, and the one question, um, that I think like is important that I ask every guest is like, if, if you were like, if you knew somebody like maybe it's your, yourself in 2012, or maybe it's a loved one now that was in like the depths of despair, like hopeless in a really dark time, like really battling some serious adversity. Like what would you tell them and why? What would I tell them? I would just tell them that they need to believe in themselves a little bit more and definitely that their life is worth it. And I think that that's what people don't understand. And it's very hard because when you're in such a dark place, you feel isolated and alone. And sometimes you just need somebody to reach out to you and be like, dude, I get it. I understand where you're at, but there is this whole life ahead of you that you can do wonderful things with. So just, and that's what I say to a lot of people, like your life is worth it, man. You have a lot to give to this world, but you just have to fight a little bit and keep talking every day to, to get yourself out of whatever dark hole that you're in. Yeah, it's it's important to just keep on swimming, right? I think it's in like Finding Nemo. I'm a huge. I don't know if anybody's got Disney Plus, but I'm obsessed. I've been watching the Goofy movie on like repeat. Um, kidding. Well, sort and that of. That would be Finding Dory, Doug. Just keep swimming is the Finding Dory <laughs> tagline. Oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you just you just have to, and I know it's like cliche to say, but it's really true. And you just have to take it one day at a time with whatever whatever situation you are in. You know, there's really some truth to that whole motto. And it, for anybody in life, you just have to take it a day at a time, you know, and and try not to focus 90 days out. Just what you can do today, because that's all that matters. 100%. And I think, like, you know, the cliche of one day at a time, like, it does, it's obviously like an, a, you know, AA and and all that stuff, but it's so true. Like no matter what you're going through that, like literally, if you can just focus on being like the best version of yourself, like each and every day and just, just a little bit better, like you cannot go wrong. Um, Courtney, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview you. I enjoyed this. I always love talking to you. Um, where can people kind of find you if they want to find out more? I'm going to post in the show notes, you know, all your contact information, your website, your social, all that stuff. But where can people find you if they want to like kind of chat with you or get more information? Yeah, so I hang, I mean, you can find me. I'm mostly on Instagram. I do have a Facebook like page and then in my Facebook Sober Vibes group, but uh, Courtney underscore 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 Anderson or Sober Vibes um, on Instagram for sure. You can always email me, sobervibes at gmail.com or connect with me through my website, which is CourtneyRecovered.com. And I forgot to say too, in 2020, I will be having um, my Sober Vibes podcast come out. Whoop, whoop. That's awesome. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean. Um, Which I, I'm sure Doug will be on the podcast too. I can, I, give you, <laughs> I, I can give you another lady boner, right? 
Uh, that is true. That is true. <laughs> Doug, Doug had uh, many lady boners going when he was on the Real Line Women podcast. That's great because you're an, you're an old soul, Doug. You got a lot of insight in you, man. You're a good dude. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, like, I don't know, I was, it's just, I feel like I skipped all my 20s, and I feel like I'm like a 40-year-old trapped in a 30, how old am I, 32-year-old's body, just because of, like, and it's like life experience, and I'm sure you can relate to this, too, because you seem like an old soul as well, that, like, when you go through shit, and you have to grow up real fast, it's like, you either do or you don't, you either, there's no, like, in between, you either change or you don't, like, there's no, like, I mean, there's some gray area, of course, but... Like when it comes to addiction and when it comes to like really having to make like a choice, there's no like maybe. It's like either do you take a yes or a no. And like when you make that yes and you change, you you miss a lot of like like I miss you know like all my friends were growing going out when I was in my twenties, and I'm sitting there on my grandparents' couch like watching Giada and Bobby Flay on the Food Network and like learning how to cook. In hindsight, you know at, at the time it sucked because I was like you know you had the the fear of, like before FOMO was a thing right fear of missing out like I was just like man uh-huh. all my friends are out I was like I'm here with my grand I'm a freaking loser I'm sitting at home with my grandparents and but what it taught me is a I taught myself how to cook based on you know watching the Food Network watching the cooking channel and now I I mean I'm no like chef but I can definitely make a nice meal which is important right and and uh-huh. also that I'm comfortable being alone like I could just sit uh-huh. and I'm comfortable being alone, which a lot of people aren't because they're not, they're just not secure with themselves. And it helped me develop a lot of security with who I was as a person and really attracting the right people in my life. And it seems like you've kind of done the same, which is amazing. Yeah. And too, I think when people can't, I, I don't know if it's an insecurity when people can't sit still, it could be tied up into that, but I think it's because people don't want to sit still with their thoughts. And I think the thoughts and feelings are what scare people where it's like, because they might've been told their whole life, like you shouldn't feel this way, you know? So it's just like, it is, there's so much importance of you being able to sit still. And that's where I think too, if you have kids, stop having them run around doing the most. I, I see it a lot where it's like these kids who are just going from point A to point B to point C. It's like, they need to know how to sit and I'm not saying put your kid in front of a television all the time, but they need to have like a day where it's just like, you just need to chill out because I think that, and that's where I'm saying where this all starts, that constant running around at such a a small age, there's got to be a balance because you take that in with you into adulthood. And where I know people who can't even sit and like watch a TV show without getting up and down and, you know, having it on in the background because I believe it's just an escape from being able to sit still with their thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And I think you're right. Cause it's like almost like homeostasis. And I talk about this a lot. I talk about like, if you're used to a certain thing as growing up as a child and as a kid in your adulthood, it, those same patterns, those same, those same like actions are going to replay because yeah. that's what you're used to. And if you're used to running around all the time, if you're not running around, it's going to feel like awkward. Right, just like if you grow up in a dysfunctional yeah. home and you're used to like toxicity everywhere, you're used to your parents fighting, you're used to like just t- constant tension. When you carry it on into your adulthood, you're gonna be like, "What the hell is? There's no tension. Like, I, I better create some so I feel normal." And that's just kind of like the pattern, the cycles that are really hard to break for people because they've been ingrained in them for years and years. Yeah, that one I learned a lot, too, in recovery about, like, about the separating from the chaos, because I've been in a, I've been set in a chaotic state since I was seven. 
So, like, I really had to, with the, and that's where, like, the book Codependent No More, oh, it's such a good one, where detaching yourself from that is, like, the best thing that you can do. And just living in a state, and to that goes on with, like, spiritual growth and just not wanting to be a part of the chaos anymore and being able to create your own world for yourself. Yeah, it all starts with a decision not to want to, to live that life anymore. And um, so, yeah, I mean, once again, it's been amazing to have you on here. Go check her out on Instagram. She's awesome. She's funny. She's posting, always posting great content um, and as well as like her goofy side. And um, I appreciate um, everybody who's listening. So you've heard it you know, firsthand about how you can really take um, – some negativity with when struggling with addiction, when struggling with alcohol and turning into something positive, which you've heard Courtney talk about. Um, I appreciate everybody for listening to this episode of the adversity advantage. And, um, I will talk to you soon.